the Trailblazers podcast brought to you by the Golden Key University of Johannesburg student chapter. Welcome to another episode of the Trailblazers podcast. I'm your co-host, Tenazwa Sairam. And I'm your other co-host, Takudzwa Kunai. Today we have a very important guest, a senior lecturer at the Department of Accountancy at the University of Johannesburg, a best-selling author who has written and published multiple books, and the founder and director of the Gifted Learning Center. Well, we could spend all day uh, listing her accomplishments because she is truly a trailblazer. But without further ado, Miss Wadzanae Mabuto. It's such an honor and a privilege to have you today, Miss Mabuto, on our podcast episode. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for having me. I am excited to be here and to find out why I was selected to be a trailblazer because I'm still trying to figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> We can start right into it. Um, Miss Mabuto, you're often referred to as the not-so-typical chartered accountant. May you please just explain to us what it means and why people call you that? Wow. Um, I remember the first time somebody said that to me. So it's not not a name I gave to myself. It's it's somebody, a really close friend of mine, Miss Doric Sitole, who called me a not-so-typical chartered accountant. So we met at a speaker's... uh, um, workshop where we were being trained to to be professional speakers and I think when I mentioned we're going around the table we're mentioning our professions I said I'm a chartered accountant and everybody looked at me like no ways you can't be like there's no ways you're a chartered accountant so I think I didn't then ask them why do they think I'm not the so not so typical chartered accountant but word has it on the streets when people actually dare to tell me is that I just don't talk about typical chartered accounting topics. Um, And apparently I don't sound like one and I just rear off the track. I'm still to figure out what exactly is a typical chartered accountant, um, but because apparently I'm a not so typical chartered accountant, uh, but I think it's just to do with my love for psychology. I read a lot of books on psychology. I love to know how the mind works. Um, And also my love for creating things. Um, uh, My grade seven teacher said to my parents, to them, you know, so in Zimbabwe, when you're you're going to high school, you have a consultation with the teacher and the parents have a consultation and the the, the teacher will tell the parents where they would uh, recommend for the child to go uh, for high school. And my teacher said, Wadzi must go to an industrial school because she spends a lot of her time drawing circles and coloring coloring them in. So you can imagine my very African parents were like, never, ah, never. You So you're saying my child is to go and color in pictures for the rest of her life. Um, and then we just, they just said, no, that's not going to happen. Um, and then I had to focus on my academics. But I always, always at the back really enjoyed um, creating things. And I think it's now all coming full circle for me. Um, as I finished all, well, you can never stop learning. But I'm now at the stage where I can, you know, revisit um, those things that I, I really love doing, like creating. So if that makes me not so typical chartered accountant, I guess I am a not so typical chartered accountant. Well, oh, I was actually trying so hard not to laugh, especially when you talked about <laughs> my African parents would never allow me to go to a school to, to color books and all that. Because... Yes. I, growing up, uh, Tanasko and I grew up like later uh, along the way, but yes. 
it was always that that same thing that a kid must be a pilot or an engineer or become an accountant or a lawyer. Those traditional safe jobs, um, some of them where you wear a suit or some of them you do yes. doing engineering stuff. Okay, you're wearing an overall, but at least you're an engineer or so something like that. So I also went through that same phase. And yeah, <laughs> I I definitely know and understand what you're talking about. Yeah. But going back to being a not so typical accountant. So yeah. was that the reason? Or maybe definitely this is something that had always been at the back of your mind. But was this one of the reasons why you ended up writing and doing stuff that is way, way outside of the channel accounting? <laughs> For example, writing on different things that are so unrelated to numbers, yes. to balance sheet, to profit statements. But that was like one of the main reasons why you are into so many different things. Yeah. I think for me, um, so so the, the main thing, I think, um, where I decided to put myself out there was uh, the, the, the children's book, uh, my first words uh, with the Nashian Takutwa. I think for me that, you know, sometimes I, you know when you stumble into things, um, this is something I stumbled into. Um, we had decided to homeschool our kids um, when the COVID happened, like officially take them out of school. Um, and then no, but they're back at school now. Like we, we thought we could do it, but then we really realized that, yo, this is a, it's a hard task. But anyway, when they were fully at home, part of the curriculum was to teach them Shona, our, our language. Um, so we're really from Zimbabwe was to teach them Shona. Um, and then we realized that they were really not interested in learning because we didn't have much content to keep them excited. You know, so like if you see on television, there's lots of content about learning Spanish, um, learning English, learning all these other languages, but there's nothing really much out there for learning African languages. So part of the curriculum was to teach them that Shona. Um, and then I just decided, look, let's do an activity. So I told my oldest daughter, Anashe, and I said, look, let's create a book, a small little book that will publish on Amazon with all everyday words on um, everyday words that we use in, in Shona. Um, but a bilingual book with Shona and English. Um, and then, yeah, then we published it on Amazon and it was supposed to be just like a two, three day thing. Then my daughter raised the bar. She literally, she's eight and a half. Um, and at that stage she was seven and a half. And she raised the bar and she said, mama, but what's going to happen to all the people in South Africa and Zimbabwe? Um, if the book is on Amazon, how are they going to get the book? And then, you know, I then decided, okay, let's take this actually quite seriously. Um, and then I really worked. I took the next three weeks off um, and I really just um, worked on creating the books. And then we created the books, we published them and we printed and we crossed our fingers and said, even if one person buys the book, then we are successful. Um, you know, and then that just became how it then started, um, just really merging my chartered accountancy. So, so don't, don't get me wrong and say um, my education went to waste. Um, I had to figure out how do I price these books? That's where your costing comes into account. Uh, cost this product that you have. What is the material cost? What is the printing cost? What are the delivery costs? And what is the margin you're going to put on top of that? So it was such a beautiful balance of merging my chartered accountancy with my creativity. And it just worked so well because I was just able to do everything uh, by myself and, and merge those two things together. It's crazy how sometimes um, 
we stumble upon things like you mentioned without knowing that yeah. they're going to be so successful and they're going yeah. to be something great. Mentioning the book, my first words with Anashi and Takuzo. This book yeah. has been translated into 13 different African languages. So what are some of these languages that the book has been translated into? So thanks, Tanantso, for that question. So the interesting thing that happened, again, something else that I stumbled into, when we started this, my first Shona was Anashi and Takuzo. So Anashi is my first born and Takuzo is my second born and my last born is Tinae. Um, so the, we start, I had no intention of translating into other people's languages because you know, you know how it is like, okay, you know. But when, when I started publishing, when I started uh, marketing these books, um, people were then asking me, do you have it in, 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 in Isitosa? Do you have it in Isizulu? Do you have it in Susutu? Do you have it in, in Setswana? Do you have it in Swahili? Do you have it in Yoruba? Yoruba is spoken in Nigeria. Um, and then I said, I would say, no, I don't. Can you translate? And the funny thing is people be like, ah, no, Angazi, I don't know. No, I don't know how to translate. So I'm like, I thought you guys knew how to speak your language. And it's language. <laughs> so it's so funny that all of us in every different Af African language are so desperate for this content, be it you're in Debele, be it you're Shona, be it you're Zulu, be it you're Tosa, be it you're, we are so desperate for content because we don't want our languages to die. So then I then partnered with various teachers um, in, in, and various grandparents, literally, who, who have all this wealth of knowledge, like the Shona book, um, my mom is the one that translated. Um, although I know Shona, I wanted to make sure that it was done perfectly. So she translated and a friend of mine edited the book. So it was this community project that we embarked on with like-minded people who have the expertise. So that's one thing I'm very passionate about is aligning people with their different strengths and their abilities. So my strength is designing and creating the book. Um, and I partnered with other people who had the expertise into translating. Um, but the one that is really close to my heart is the one that was done for, for, for Nigeria, the, my first Yoruba words. Um, I've literally never met this lady in Nigeria. She's a teacher in Nigeria. Again, via, via connection, connection. We partnered together. We did it together. In fact, she was then inspired to write her own book. She was like, to me, Wadi, I've been sitting on these books for the past 10 years, but I'm so inspired by you. And now she's published her own 10 books in Nigeria and now they're available in Canada and America. So it's been such an interesting journey of, of really banding together. And the vision is really to unite Africa through the use of languages to say, what well, it's not enough for you to just know your mother language. You need to learn every African language so you can connect, you can communicate. There's such, uh, value in, in speaking somebody's language and being understood and understanding somebody's language. So that is a greater vision. The greater vision is to unite Africa through one African language at a time, through our children, so that they learn each other's languages and they help us to also learn each other's languages. And then we unite um, as an African continent. I know it's, it's a big dream. <laughs> Don't know if it ever did in my lifetime, but if, if it's just a drop in the ocean um, that I would have added and left, um, I would be very, very happy. And Ms. Fabuto, also, the dream was to unite 
Africa by language. And in as much as he's saying that it's a big dream, but I think slowly we are getting there because all those 13 languages are African languages and Swahili is a language that's spoken in so many African countries. So already you yes. are actually uniting so many countries through language and that is so commandable. However, Miss Mabuto, writing a book in one language is a very daunting task. And I think Takuza can agree with me on that one. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But can you imagine translating that book into 13 different languages? That must have been on another level. How was the process and what was the inspiration behind you sitting down and saying, okay, this is difficult, but I am going to do it yeah. because my dream is to unite Africa by language. What was the push and what was the motivation behind pushing your dream forward? Sure, that's a very interesting question. And it's almost like you were in the room uh, watching me as I went through this very difficult process. Um, because you can imagine translating. So what would happen? So I've got the, the I've created the, 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 what's it called? The word is now missing. I've created the, the framework of the book. Um, and it was easy for me when it was my language because I could easily see there was a mistake. But now, now I was now delving into other people's languages so that I needed to make sure. And by other people, I mean not segregating myself, but by saying I needed to ensure that I respected the, the languages of other people and make sure that it was done correctly. So I would have the translations done on a Google Sheet, Excel Sheet, and then I would then transpose onto my structure of the book. But now, as you can imagine, as you're doing the sense check, you're doing a sense check in, in a language that you don't know. So sometimes you don't know. So like, for, let's say, if I'm translating socks um, in, in, or, or shoe, in Shona, the word is butu or shangu, I can quickly see if I've done it correctly. But if it's a language I don't know, like with Yoruba, which is completely different to any typical South African, African language, or, or even Sisutu or Isizulu or some of these languages where they're similar words, but not all the words are the same. So I struggled with that. I really did struggle with that because I, I, I'm somebody who likes to do things um, at, at a reasonable pace. But this, I needed to make sure that I slowed myself down and also partnered with people that can check my work. Because the worst thing you can do is to then bring this book out and then there are errors. You know, errors are inevitable. Errors are going to happen. I mean, most, that's why even with your textbooks that you have at school, um, they're like 15th edition. All these editions are just publishers realizing that, oh, there's a mistake on 15. But we'll never tell you that. You know, we'll just say there's a second edition available. So that was the most difficult, but it was in that difficulty I learned the languages and I learned to see how similar our languages are. Um, and it was such a, a hard process. It was a difficult process, but it was it was such an amazing experience because I learned. I learned, I'm not saying now I can speak all 13 languages, but now I'm now aware of the words and I can speak um, and understand the words much better. I was trying to think about uh, the frameworks that you definitely have used you know, mm. trying to connect with this person and also trying to make sure that this person knows the language in depth and they're able to translate yes. all that correctly. So um, how, how rewarding was the process of working with different 
people of, of different backgrounds, of different cultures, of different, uh, I don't know if I should say heritages, how yes. different and, and how rewarding was the experience as well? And what lessons did you learn from just interacting and learning with people from, you know, different backgrounds? Well, it, it, it was so rewarding, uh, Takudzwa. Like, for me, it is always an honor to meet anybody. Like, if there's one thing my dad said to us growing up is respect everybody, regardless of background, regardless of whatever, respect everybody that you have the opportunity to be in the presence of. Uh, because sadly, in this day and age, we tend to only respect people who have... 10,000 or more followers on, on Twitter or whatever. <laughs> so many, do you get what I'm saying? But there are so many people around us, with us, on this journey called life. But we're so focused on getting attention from other people. So that's number one. Just the opportunity of speaking. So, um, so sometimes I would have uh, my students, ex-students of mine who who would actually volunteer and say, ma'am, we heard you're doing this. Please, can we do it? And then I would ask them to not only help translate, I also ask them to check because I couldn't check for myself. Because as you can imagine, when you write something, you need somebody else to check for you. Um, and so that was also amazing, having students volunteer to check the work, my work, where I used to be the one who checked their work. And so that was quite a rewarding experience, having students checking my work and, and telling me, this is correct, ma'am. Okay, go and change page 10. Um, let me go and follow up on this word because we use this word in this part of South Africa, but it's not used in that part of South Africa. Um, and and you, as you can imagine, African languages are different, different dialects. Uh, even Shona has different dialects. All these languages have different dialects. Even with Kiswahili that you mentioned, Tanatwa, um, it's spoken in many African countries to the point where there's a Kenyan version of Kiswahili, there's a Namibian version, there's a DRC version. So that was, although it was difficult trying to absorb all this information, for me, the learning experience and just engaging with people, um, from all over the world. I'll, I'll tell you one thing that people always get shocked when I tell them that I'm actually quite a shy person. Um, and people go, oh, buddy, here you go again. I actually genuinely am a, quite a shy person and quite timid about getting to know new people, but I've learned the value of it. So in my timidness, in my fearfulness, because I think every human being has a fear of rejection. So when you put yourself out there, you say, listen, Takuza, I'm doing this thing. Please, can you help me? Um, Takuza could say yes, and he could say no. And that fear of Takuza saying no sometimes stops us from actually progressing in some of these ideas that we have. So that's another rewarding thing um, that I had from our own self-development, the ability to be able for somebody to either ignore your email, be okay with somebody ignoring you, or be okay with them saying no, but actually be joyful with the high possibility that somebody will actually be so excited to be a part of something bigger than themselves. So that's been such a rewarding aspect of this whole journey so i was actually really really surprised when you said that you are sometimes a very timid person or maybe i didn't hear you correctly you said you're a timid person but i was actually surprised and i'm like okay this is a very different side or different thing that you're talking about from the mm. that we've grown to know and that we've grown to to admire and 
to follow on, on various social media platforms. So that was a big surprise yeah. to me when I heard you say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of people get surprised. Um, I think maybe shy is not the word or timid is the word. I'm still trying to find the right word. But I think um, insecurity or fear of rejection is the bigger word um, that I've also been trying to work on um, and, and to realize that, you know, it's, it's, we all have fears, we all have insecurities um, and to just really work on that and to realize that we, we all have a space in the world. So I think it took me a long time to realize that my voice mattered, that was number one, and that I have a space in the world. Um, the next part that I'm, I'm figuring out is how do I effectively use my voice in areas that matter to help other people. So it's been a process. It really has been a process. Um, and I'm an extrovert. And so the interesting thing about extroverts, sorry, I'm going to bore you with my research because I, I do a lot of research in psychology and personalities and the mind and how people behave and act. So an extrovert is somebody who's energized and gets ideas from being around people. An introvert is somebody that gets ideas and is energized by being by themselves and in their thoughts. So for me, sometimes that extroversion, when I'm trying to generate ideas, people confuse it with courage and a go-getter. And, and I'm just in, in my element trying to get ideas. Um, and then when I need to now reflect on those ideas, and then I disappear. Because I'm like, oh, I've gotten all these ideas. I've energized. I need to, but now I need to get back within myself and write down what all these ideas mean. So I think that's how sometimes I confuse people <laughs> with my extrovert nature that I do. I love being around people. I genuinely love being around people and people energize me. Uh, but in as much as people energize me, um, I can also get drained by being around people. So funny enough, I'm married to an extrovert, an introvert. So he's an introvert, introvert as defined. So usually, so he knows me. If there's anybody who knows me inside out is my husband. Um, so every time before COVID would go out with friends or family, he, he knows my graph. Like, so I start off at like a peak and then my graph diminishes like slowly, slowly, slowly. And my energy goes down to almost zero. So he's almost like my stabilizer. So when he sees what this graph is about to go, he like, like pokes me under the table and he says, so it's okay to stop talking. It's actually okay. You need time to energize now. Just go to the bathroom for a bit. He won't say much. He, he just can see what this is about to go. Because I literally, after my spike of talking, I literally can, I go to the complete opposite where I'm so exhausted. Um, like even after this podcast, I'm going to have to go through like two hours of recovery because all my energy. So if any interaction, I put my all and then I must recover after that. So that's another thing I encourage people to be so self-aware of their strengths and their weaknesses so that they can put mechanisms in place and have a support system that helps you manage um, your strengths and your weaknesses. So, so yeah, that, 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 that's another interesting thing about me. I'm still trying to figure out if it is shy or timidness, but it's just trying to balance those different aspects about myself. I don't know if there's a thing called uh, being both introverted and extroverted, but if there was that thing, I think I would be, I would be that person. Yeah. I, I also relate to what you're talking about, like being yeah. extroverted yeah. and being with a lot of people. 
yeah. you feel very very tired after a while and after speaking yes but i also <laughs> love to be introverted as well yes to have my own space at times so i don't know if if you know in your psychology studies if there's such a thing but if it's there then i could be case studies fun there absolutely is. So there are diff- they're different types of extroverts and there are different types of introverts. So there are people who are naturally extroverted, how you are you energized, and there are people who are naturally introverted. But there are different pers- so there are different components to your personality that you're extroverted in and other components that you're introverted in. So it's a whole different discussion that I actually would really love to have because it's so interesting because I'm extroverted when it comes to my um, thinking. So I think out aloud. Um, so my my personality is ENTJ. Uh, T means I am a thinker. So I'm extroverted when I'm thinking about ideas, I'm extroverted. But I'm introverted when it comes to finding meaning about certain things. So I know it sounds complicated, but I think we'd have to have a whole different discussion. So to answer your question, every person has an introverted and an extroverted side to them, depending on what the situation is and what is being required of that situation from them. So you're perfectly normal. I would recommend everybody to do a personality test on 16personalities.com. That would just open your mind to to just, yeah, your different preferences in the way that you deal with the outside world and yourself. That's a relief that I'm perfectly normal. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, Mr. Mabuto, you have this interesting book that you wrote as well. Called I have a story to tell. And yeah. book it features stories from different individuals who have been through adversity but have managed to overcome them. You also have a podcast with that same name as well. And the podcast is available on Spotify and also on Apple Podcast. I have a story to tell. So looking at all that has happened ever since the global pandemic, you know, how life has generally become harder for most people. And how it seems like everyone is going through some sort of adversity. What would be your encouragement and your advice for anyone who is going through some of these worst moments in their lives at the moment? Yeah, no, this this pandemic is something that none of us expected. Uh, we none of us planned, and I, I, I don't think we realized how long it was going to take. To, to get out of this pandemic. I mean, we're still in within the pandemic. And it's been really hard for a lot of people. Um, and, and I think the idea of I have a story to tell, I, I, I can't even explain how the idea came, but I take morning walks. And when the pandemic came out, I'll just take morning walks around the complex that we used to stay in. But the idea then literally, literally came when I was taking the morning walks and I put out the idea, again, fearful that nobody is going to respond, but I got such an overwhelming response from people who were saying, I want to tell my story. Please, can we? Can I tell you my story? Can you write about my story? And I think for me, to answer your question, how would you find courage, encouragement, advice to people who are in the midst of adversity? I would say read. Read about people who have overcome 
certain life's adversities. I'm not just saying about the book that, that, that I published, I have a story to tell, but there's so many stories out there of how people have pushed through certain things that they thought they would never be able to overcome. That's number one, to read. Um, a book that I always recommend people to read is to read Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Um, Viktor Frankl was a Holocaust survivor and he literally wrote about the various things that he did to, to get, to mentally get through each and every day of this never ending suffering. And the part that really got me and helped me as I read the book. So I've read the book like three times already. So every time I'm going through a season that I don't quite understand, where it's just like, it's just a mess all around me. Um, and he just says, you know, when, when you cannot control the things that are happening around you, you're forced to change the things that are happening within you. And for me, that is the hardest thing to do, looking in the mirror. I mean, it's easy to look in the mirror before you leave the house and say, okay, you know, eyebrows on fleek, check, you know, whatever, wig, clothes, whatever, everything's on fleek. But to check yourself inside, that's hard. Um, and it takes courage. Um, and, and it doesn't happen overnight. And sometimes we run away from looking in the mirror, our internal mirror, to say, okay, what do I have control over right now? What do I not have control over? And really just work on that to say, what can I do to improve myself? What can I do to help this certain situation? Um, and to just really continually fill your mind with, with good literature um, um, and, and, and things that, that help you grow. Um, and it's, it's yeah, that, that's the encouragement I would give. I mean, I don't have a solution to anybody's problem, but the only solution I have is work on yourself, work on renewing your mind every day and ensuring that you, you keep yourself healthy um, if you can, yeah. And I think what we can take from all this, the main take is that we should just do it afraid because no matter how mm. scary it is, everything is always going to work out. So that's the main take I'm taking from this. And yeah. with that being said, um, Ms. Mabuto, you are the founder and also the director of the Gift Learning Center. What was yes. the inspiration behind the Gift Learning Center? Where people, because it's a center where people, um, uh, they discover their talents, their natural uh -huh. born talents and abilities, and they are taught how to develop those talents. So were you someone who also discovered your natural born talent? What was yeah. the inspiration behind this dream of yours, Ms. Mabuto? So yes, to answer your question, yes, um, it, it, it really was, a, a first of all, a very personal journey for myself, where I found alignment through my gifts, my natural born talents and abilities. So I've got three gifts that I've identified so far. My gift number one is talking, as you can imagine, I've been yes. talking. <laughs> and my second gift, I've become creative. And my third gift is that I'm a very big, I think, I think a lot. But because I never identified them as gifts, because when you think of gifts, you think of Beyonce. You think, I can never be on America's Got Talent where everyone is mesmerized by this amazing voice of mine and I'm an overnight um, 
sensation. I used to then dumb down my gifts and think, you know, because it came in like in a brown paper bag where it's like everybody else's gifts are like these amazing shiny objects. And mine is like, okay, what do we all know what it talks? And then how is that a gift? When I fully realized that these are my gifts, this is what I do naturally, I then had to take the next step of developing them. Because you, I had to realize, even though I can talk and I'm confident in talking publicly, professionally, I need to also refine and develop that ability. So one thing that I do, if I'm ever given that platform to speak, like even now, I jot down the things I'm going to say. Because I also know because I, I don't stop talking, I need the mechanism that's going to help me to go from one idea to another. And also, I also know that words of power. So I'm very, very careful about how I speak, uh, what I say and how I say it, because I, I am a strong believer that words of power. And like yeah. activity, I really work on that. I give myself opportunities like with the books, uh, creating these online platforms, um, everything. Even when I create content for my students, I'm always trying to give myself opportunities to refine that. Um, and, and so for me, it's, it's really to help that. And also with having three kids who same mom, same dad, completely different personalities um, and, and trying to, to see what gifts my kids have as individuals, but also still emphasizing the importance of education. I believe education is very important. So it's trying to still show that you can get educated, but at the same time, you can align your gifts with your education. Like I mentioned earlier on that I have found my sweet spot of aligning my education to become a chartered accountant. Um, and, and with my research, not that I'm, like an, I'm an academic, I need to also do research, academic research. I found that alignment between the education that I do, the formal education, and the informal education of developing and using my natural born talents and abilities. Most definitely, um, there's some things that I picked up uh, in the, especially when you talked about talents that are shiny and also yeah, yeah. other talents that sort of like get overlooked and you think that this talent is definitely not important or it's not going to help me, but in life you never know. You definitely never know. So um, due to time, and yes. it has been such an honor and a privilege to have you today on this episode, uh, we wish you could have more time to learn some of these, you know, words of wisdom that you're just like giving out to us <laughs> just like that. But um, if you could just quickly give us a word of encouragement uh, to, to students, to people at university, what would it be? I would say, I mean, this is something that I've been reflecting on since this morning is respect every opportunity you have. Every opportunity you have um, in life, if you have the opportunity to be at university, respect and give of your all. Um, Aristotle says excellence is not an act, it's, it's, it's a habit. Um, when you develop that, that habit of excellency, wow, life, you attract uh, so many opportunities. And excellence starts right in the morning. Um, I know my kids are not my favorite I'm not my favorite kids right now, if that makes sense, because I force them to make their bed every morning and to brush their teeth in the morning and 
in the evening and I to do it with excellence because I'm trying to teach them that everything that you do, you need to do with excellence because when, when you are then blessed with bigger things, you've now got the skills to implement from brushing your teeth with excellence, from making your bed with excellence. You can now put that into, into, into your future endeavors. So I would say to all the students that are in very interesting times, um, learning online, um, and, and, and not have, not being able to see your lecturers face to face or seeing other students face to face, you know, I would say accept the situation that, that is you're in right now. You cannot control what the, the fact that you have to do online learning, but you can control the excellence that you put within each and everything that you do. So pursue excellence, uh, my friends, in everything that you do, um, and you will attract opportunities. It may not happen now, but it definitely, trust me, it will happen in the future. I thank you so much for these words of wisdom. Uh, respect every opportunity that you get. That definitely is harder. Um, so right now, <laughs> I just want to thank <laughs> you, Ms. Mabuto, once again for joining us and for making this episode a truly special one. Uh, a very, very, very special episode. And to all our listeners out there, I also want to thank you for tuning in and listening to this amazing episode right here. Uh, we learned a lot. I hope you did too. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please follow us on all our social media pages at goldenkey underscore UJ to get more updates on the Trailblazers podcast. Remember to sanitize and mask up. Stay safe, stay golden. Love and light. Thank you. Ciao.